Welcome to today's program of the Michelle Miao Show at the Commonwealth Club of California. I'm John Zipperer, the club's vice president of media and editorial and the co-host of the Michelle Miao Show here at the club. This is the latest of about 200 programs the Commonwealth Club has presented since the beginning of sheltering in place. Most of these are presented free, and of course, we welcome any support you might be inclined to give us to help in the production of these programs. You can find out how to do that, as well as find out all of our upcoming programs and the audio and video of all of our past programs at commonwealthclub.org. Now, as you can see, we are doing this entire program virtually. Not even the pandemic, working from home, and now a number of wildfires here in the Bay Area can keep us from talking with interesting thought leaders. We are uh, now, if you see any internet hiccups during the program, please forgive them. We are, of course, at the mercy of everyone's individual internet connections, but I suspect we'll be fine. Today, we are talking with Jesse Moss and Amanda McBain, the directors and producers of a new documentary called Boys State. It's now all from A24 Films and Apple TV. It deals with something we at the Commonwealth Club are very concerned about, which is civics education of younger generations. We recently even started a new multi-year project called Creating Citizens to explore this and to do what we can to help it along. Now, I'd like to introduce the producer and host of the eponymous Michelle Miao Show. It's Michelle Miao. Good to see you again, Michelle. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. That was an incredible you know, introduction. You always do so great. and You're so gracious with me. Uh, now, I have the honor and privilege of introducing to all of you uh, our guests. And as uh, John had mentioned, uh, we have the directors and producers of Boy State. They're partners in life and <laughs> of this film, which is great. Uh, Amanda McBain is a Sundance award-winning producer, making her feature directing debut with Boy State. As a producer, her films include The Overnighters, The Bandit, Speedo, and Ghosts of Attica, along with her husband, Jesse, who's here with us, uh, and creative partner. She is a partner in Mile End Films, a San Francisco-based production company. Jesse Moss is an acclaimed documentary filmmaker. His, his films include The Overnighters, a Sundance Special Jury Prize for Intuitive Filmmaking, and recognized by many critics as the top documentary of 2014. Also, The Bandit, Full uh, Battle Rattle, South by Southwest Special Jury Prize, and uh, Speedo, uh, also, Demolition Derby Love Story and Con Man. His recent work includes a collaboration with Alex Gibney's Jigsaw Productions, the Payday episode of the next Netflix series, Dirty Money, and the Family, a five-part series also for Netflix, um, and uh, many other films. And I want to definitely give a shout-out for Gay Chorus Deep South. Uh, that is incredible. And now their next film, Boys State. Before we get into the conversation, let's check out the trailer. I will skip the part where I brag for three minutes about how great and cool I am. Seeing as we are all qualified young men of skill and character. People like that stuff. Good, yeah. People like that stuff a lot. Some people say they're a sports junkie. I say I'm a politics junkie. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. I'm playing this like a game. I would like very much to win. I love it, boys. I love it. Where are you from? I come from a very modest family. I'm on the course to be the first one to graduate from high school. I'm a progressive person, and I'm in a room full of mostly conservative people. Our masculinity shall not be infringed. Yeah! I've never seen so many white people ever. I feel like everybody has a secret underlying need for bipartisanship. A message of unity, as good as it sounds, is not winning anyone any elections. Primary polls are now open. Get yourselves ready for a turbulent election. Whatever happens to you, best of luck. You win, I support you fully. My name is Steven Garza, and I'm running for governor. Let's get the because... As to the political views, voice of my speech, sometimes you gotta say what you gotta say in an attempt to win. I think he's a fantastic politician. But I don't think a fantastic politician is a compliment either. We're gonna do shock and awe. It's gonna be awesome. I want y'all to take out your phones and go on Instagram. Everyone, come on. Oh my God.
show the world what patriots are made of. That when things get tough, we pull ourselves by our bootstraps. One nation under God, lovers of the Constitution of the United States of America. That's politics, I think. That's politics. Welcome, Jesse, Amanda. Thanks so much for joining us here on the program. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Michelle and John. Hi. Uh, so, yeah, let's begin at the, the very beginning. I mean, to think about following 1,100 high school boys and with this task uh, or a mock exercise of building their own state government. Uh, in my mind, I'm like, well, <laughs> that sounds really scary in, in some ways, maybe intimidating and daunting. Uh, but the American Legion's Boy State Program has been around since 1935. Uh, I, my question is even... How'd you get started? How'd you get into, you know, why, why, why would the American Legion's Boy State Program say, yes, let's do a documentary on this? So how did this all get started? What inspired you to do it? Yeah, well, neither of us went through the program growing up here in California. There is a girl state program to a boy state in every state except Hawaii. Um, and it just wasn't something that we knew about. Um, and we learned about the Texas Boys State Program because they made uh, the news in 2017. The boys in Texas uh, voted to secede from the union. And that gesture uh, caught the attention of a lot of people. It's a little bit of an embarrassment to the American Legion. Um, and when we read about the program, I think we were really struck, one, that it was still around because it seems kind of old-fashioned. Um, but clearly they were expressing sort of the mood of the moment in voting for secession. And we thought, what an interesting way to look at politics today and political division in America through the eyes of 17-year-olds um, coming of age in this moment. And we loved the idea that the program actually brings people together face-to-face -face who have different politics from the left and from the right, and they can actually talk to each other. And that's a pretty unusual space in America today. So inspired by that article, and um, I think by big questions about political division in America today, which I think we're all wrestling with, we embarked on this project. I admit I had never heard of Boy State or Girl State before uh, I heard about this film. And, and uh, a good friend of mine, in fact, was posting online about your film, and uh, he noted that he had been to Boys State, I think in Montana or Wyoming or something, in the early 1980s. And of course, the, it's a program that has a lot of distinguished alums, uh, you know, Bill Clinton, Jane Pauley, uh, Tim Scott, and others. Um, why, why do you think the program has been around for so long? Because, I mean, 1,100 kids, and that's just one year. I mean, it, there are many thousands of people who have gone through this. Um, it would seem to be, it certainly has more staying power than a lot of programs. That's a good question. I mean, I, I you're right. I mean, the Texas program is one of the more robust of the programs. 1,100, um, you know, boys come every year. Not every state has such a big program. It's one of the reasons we're drawn to Texas, um, among a number of reasons which we can talk about uh, related to Texas politics in particular. Um, but I, I think that this kind of learn by doing, um, which has been going on since its inception in 1935, um, the sort of what you see in our film is in the, on the first day, counselors get together and they present um, a ton of information about how state politics works and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, for the first couple of the hours of the program, the kids are just listening to PowerPoint presentations, but then they really do give the program over to the kids and say, okay, going forward, it's your boy's state, meaning you create, you know, you do what you do, and we're going to split you into two parties, and they're arbitrary, uh, the Federalists and the Nationalists, and that's basically the structure we're going to give you, and now we need you um, to make a government. And uh, I think that that experience, you know, we were told when we talked to the program at first is like, it's, it's, it's a crucible for a lot of these kids. I mean, they're really forced to uh, challenge themselves in a way that learning, you know, in that first two hours, the PowerPoint presentation or learning civics in history class at school kind of doesn't force them to make those moral choices for themselves. And I do think that is very vivid for a lot of people who go through the program. And what we've seen in sharing this movie is there's 
a huge population of alums, uh, both from Girls and Boys State, that are really passionate about the program. Um, so uh, that's that's what I would say. Do you have anything else? No. Okay. <laughs> well, let's take a look at a clip in which we get a good glimpse of the program and, and introduction of you know some of the characters. I've had to listen to people who have said things that I vehemently opposed and disagreed with. Do need to help to identify illegal immigrants for their own safety as much as for the safety of the nation. But I listen with an open mind. So I propose a law to where law enforcement can still use drones out of their line of sight. There are a lot of people that I've met that have different lives than I have, their upbringing, what issues affect them. Next thing we know, there were gunshots and everything. It happened in the art hallway. So to feel carry, I feel it's here to stay. Because in my hometown, Rolling Oaks Mall was shot up, but someone with a concealed carry license was able to fly back and meet. People don't like the word compromise, but there's so many things that we've been able to come to agreements upon. Background checks. This is nonpartisan. We are simply making sure that guns do not fall into the hands of those who will use them to harm other people. So as you mentioned earlier, Amanda, you know, there are, yes, 1,100 students, but they all have, you know, differing opinions, and, and some of them have different backgrounds, um, and there were some reasons why you chose, you know, Texas. Talk about the casting, because we do get to know four main uh, individuals who are part of this program, and what's interesting to me is they all four, you know, become huge they play huge roles. They're very successful in, you know, their, what they're trying to do. Like, for example, Stephen Garza, the voice that we heard in just that clip, uh, he wants to be governor for the nationalists. Uh, Rene Otero, who ends up being um, the party chair. So I'm just wondering, like, you know, how you got to the floor and it just, yeah, out of a sea of 1,100 very, uh, passionate uh, individuals, teenagers. <laughs> you, you want to take it? No, you oh, um, Casting was an enormous challenge. Um, we knew that we wanted to follow a handful of young people through the program. That was our approach. And to be very um, embedded and observational, that's how we like to make movies. And um, we uh, we spent about three months traveling across the state of Texas, meeting boys who'd been selected for the program and sometimes getting recommendations, which were often not very helpful because what they thought would be a good film character is not what we thought would be a good film subject. Um, we qu quickly gravitated to, to the three of the four boys who we met before the program started became the, the um, cast, if you will. And they were all, um, what distinguished them was that they're all really smart, ambitious, politically sophisticated, um, charismatic. Um, I mean, I, I think they had a kind of intangible quality, which is a little hard to even describe. It's they, they made us lean forward and they, they were vulnerable too. And that's really important. They were open, I think, to both throwing themselves into this process and I think being transformed by it. And so Ben and Stephen and Robert, who I think we'll meet in some clips, Stephen, you just met in that, in that clip, um, we met them all in advance, and we didn't know how well they would do if they would burn out on day one or go the distance. And that's why we love unscripted filmmaking. And I think we got very lucky, um, both in casting and in um, what unfolded in front of us. Um, but we also love that they have different politics. These boys are all different. They come, one of them is probably from one of the wealthiest families in Texas. The other one is, comes from a very disadvantaged background. One's a Bernie supporter. Another young man loves Ronald Reagan. So I think that ensemble was really important to us. We did not meet Renee before the event got started. And so you will meet him in the film the way we did, which is on day two, he stands up gives a barn burning speech uh, in, in, in his, um, in uh, vying for party, state party chair. And it was just like, you know, the sun <laughs> rose up in the, you know, in the West, like he was the adult that entered the room and we're like, you know, we need you to be in our film. And, and thankfully he was game. So we didn't find everybody in advance, um, but we did find three very formidable um, folks to, to go into it with. So you had four, four great main characters. Did any of uh, the folks you passed on 
during those three months of, of prep time. Did any of them kind of surprise you and, and, and come back during the actual uh, Boys State event itself and, and become kind of weave into the story? Actually, uh, a couple did. That's an interesting question, too. Um, there's one young man you see briefly in the film. He becomes uh, one of Renee's antagonists. He is uh, incredibly handsome. We meet him when he's being um, interviewed to participate in the program. He's got a, like an ROTC military uniform on, and he's sort of what you'd imagine as a kind of classic Texas teenager to be in, in some respects, and uh, quite conservative. He becomes the head of the platform committee in the Nationalist Party, and him and Renee really tangle. You, you, you just see a little bit of that in the movie. And so we were keeping our eyes on some of those secondary characters. And there was a few young men that we did meet in casting who we thought could go the distance too, but they they did flame out. And we we, we made, made sure to concentrate our attention um, on our subjects who, who were doing well. So um, I think, um, you know, there were... Uh, I mean, Eddie, of course, emerges as a another major character. He becomes the candidate for governor on the Federalist side. Uh, and we were also kind of keeping an eye on him, and he comes into the movie towards the second half. But I think, um, you know, documentary filmmaking like this is really about taking a big risk and sort of pushing all your chips onto the table. And that's what we did with these guys. And they constantly surprised us. I think they surprised themselves, too, both in what they were capable of and some of the very bad decisions that a couple of them make. So speaking of surprises, um, I, I mean, I'm with Amanda in that, you know, scene of Renee and his speech. And I, I mean, blown away by remembering my 17 year old self. And I don't recall, you know, being <laughs> that courageous and passionate uh, intellectual and, you know, also grounded in you know the politics. But then again, you've got this kid who just moved from Chicago to to Texas, and I'm sure of it experiencing some culture shock in the white dominant community, but uh, doesn't let that back, it doesn't, he doesn't back down, you know, especially with um, his own views and his opinions politically, which is incredible to me. And we have a clip of that. Let's take a look at this clip of Renee. My grandmother told me a few things. You have to have faith, hope, and a bit of a pissed off attitude. I want to be civil and represent a whole working body. And we're going to take the example of a plain body. It has two wings, a left one and a right one. We're not going to pick one. We're going to stay in the middle because we are not an intolerable party. We're one that is palatable to all. And so as long as we're able to keep this plane afloat with a healthy right wing and a healthy left wing, we have the ability and the capability to pummel any Federalist into the ground because we are the only party that's worth voting for because it's this party that's going to represent every individual. Vote for me for your state chair. Let's go back to the surprises. Um, did it surprise you that, you know, these students are incredibly astute and, and plugged into the politics? And even, you know, they have these very strong opinions about uh, these issues that we're talking about today. For example, you know, racial inequality, immigration, gun rights, um, abortion. What were some of, I mean, were you, were you surprised as you were going through this or did you have expectations? I think um, in the work we do, we always want to be surprised and um, find, you know, answers to questions we didn't even know to ask going in. Um, that being said, we did go into this project with a pretty hefty set of questions about the health of our democracy that, you know, of course, we didn't expect all to get answered. But, you know, to what degree has hyperpolarization sort of trickled down to this next generation's understanding of politics or sort of, you know, the adult state and how we um, manage our differences and problems. And I think that, um, you know, we sort of saw the worst and the best on display, right? Of course, I did expect that. I expected going in, I was going to see Lord of the Flies and sort of maybe it was a failure of my imagination to like um, not expect to see some uh, sort of organized behavior. But in fact, what we did see through the course of the week is, 
um, these kind of amazing voices emerge. They did surprise me who they were and how they did what they did, for sure. I mean, Renee's ability to rally uh, people behind him was masterful. And actually, Ben also, who's the other state party chair for the other party, had uh, an extraordinary ability to summon people to kind of their their better intellectual self, right? Or in uh, Stephen's case, their better emotional self. And this sort of like how powerful hope can be, even in this simulation. Um, so I think that, uh, I mean, I, I was surprised by so many things um, that it's hard to like name one. Um, I think, you know, we saw that clip of Stephen talking about compromise and common ground. And you actually see the boys coming to agreement on um, background checks in Texas, of all places. But that's towards the end of the week. And actually, at the beginning of the week, it was a little bit anarchic, like Amanda a said. A little, a lot. A lot <laughs> anarchic. And you, you experience that in a movie, and you hear a lot of kind of jingoistic, provocative, somewhat upsetting statements often screamed at to a room full of teenage boys and sort of playing to the worst and base instincts of the electorate. And yeah, to some extent, we expected that because we knew this was an unruly group. But as the week progressed, we get to that place that Stephen talks about. And seeing that journey is what, what I think the window of the film provides and through their individual experiences. I mean, and one of the questions you, we went in with, you know, was also, where the heck do you get your politics? I mean, at 17, where, where, where's that coming from, right? And to some degree... It's what you'd expect. It's it's from your parents, and it's sort of indoctrinated, and and or whatever media outlet you're you're plugged into, right? And uh, we you know we heard those phrases, you know those kind of cultural warrior like I'm going to throw this hot potato in the room and see what happens. And I think that also is to be expected, certainly from a 17 year old, because they're 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 partly their child self and they're partly kind of leaning towards the future of who they're gonna maybe in college they'll like be more challenged in that way. Um, but I I think that that was part of the politics you're dealing with is just somebody who's it's it's not they haven't internalized the personal reasons for it. They're kind of holding up the signs, mm-hmm. right? And then that contest of ideas becomes interesting too. What are you performing? And what is really you? So um, that's a big question of politics that we certainly saw played out in little anecdotal ways. Amanda used the term I was thinking of, which was, you know, the Lord of the Flies illusion. Um, and it, it, it kind of sounds like this program, at least, does kind of take and shape the, the behavior. I was wondering if you saw anyone who was trying to do a, a kind of a Captain Kirk Kobayashi Maru kind of go around the rules and do it, or did did they all kind of, play in maybe maybe uh uh you know energetically and 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 such but i mean still within the rules well i think you see particularly with renee as he attempts to manage his party there's an insurrectionist faction that is trying to impeach him there's an undercurrent of racism that he has to deal with it kind of comes at him directly becomes Um, an overcurrent i mean they're really (laughs) questioning his legitimacy and that's one of the eerie echoes of our national politics, the ways in which um, opponents can use this kind of race baiting, um, dog whistle, um, you know, language. And, and the way that's so corrosive and to watch someone like Rene kind of navigate, he navigates it very skillfully, but you can see that it's also kind of hurtful personally. Um, I think there was a wonderful moment though where Rene, who's leading the party, writes the rules of impeachment to protect himself. And that was, you know, you see, you know, they're, they're, it's the same rules of national politics played out at Boy State. There, um, there were efforts to secede from the union again, and Rene has to corral that. Um, no one attempted to start a third party that we saw. So they, they may kind of stay in that two-party structure that for better or for worse that we live in. Um, and but the, but the counselors really do not step in, and the only time things got really out of hand is around race, the direct racist meme that surfaces and is directed at Renee, and that's the only time we saw the program step in and say uh, categorically, this will not stand, um, this is unacceptable. Speaking of that very specific scene, and I think you know what was used. Um, that meme was used through Instagram. And I love that the film does touch on how social media has changed you know, politics in, in the world, really. When you look at it from the American politics perspective, 
obviously social media has played a huge role. One would think that, oh, because younger generations have access to information so quickly and they can spread the information so quickly, that that's a good thing. However, we're also finding, especially, uh, you know, a few, uh, a couple months or so, a few months, you know, to our own election that social media has had a negative impact. Um, so you can touch a little bit about that. Maybe that we might not have seen too much. That was one example uh, but how, you know, uh, the internet can be, a right. weapon, you know, in politics. I mean, it's certainly some, another one of the questions going into this is sort of social media's, um, the, the silos it's created, uh, or not, it, there's always been these differences, but yeah, you do kind of get into a silo and you don't hear from the other side quite as much as you would, um, certainly not in person, which is what the sort of the analog nature of this program was really interesting to us, right? Face to face. Okay. Now say everything you would have said on a, you know, tweet or whatever, like it's much different when it's a human being in front of you. But, um, but yeah, they do end up using in their campaigns, these memes. I will say that as someone who's like not 17, you know, me, like a lot of memes kind of go over my head, but it really is a language that these guys all understand and respond to um, with one another. Um, and some of them are quite funny and some of them kind of make the whole thing more vivid and it does encourage people to get involved and like uh, to vote and, you know, stay interested in the campaign. Right. Um, so there is, there is sort of some pieces of that that are good. Of course, there is some very bad behavior and it's so easy to just send out anonymously. Right. So you don't need to own that bomb that you threw that stink bomb. Um, um, but they're really a, a new tools for old tricks. Right, like you I mean. see a lot of, you see some negative campaigning here. You, you do see dirty tricks um, in skillful ways deployed against the opposition. Um, and I think, I, well, we expected that, but I don't think we expected the sophistication of those attacks. Yeah. Um, it's a curious side note that actually the, the, in 2016, the Russian disinformation campaign that was targeted at the United States also encompassed the Texas secession movement. Uh, that was a Russian front to some degree. This is a, actually a reportable fact. And you might say then that the, the Boys State Legislature of 2017 voting to secede could have been an outgrowth of that effort and which in turn attracted us to the program and resulted in this film. So it's this kind of curious um, chain of events that, that sort of lead back to social media disinformation, um, which we, we, we've thought about. Um, so, uh, but I think any film about politics today has to acknowledge the power of that medium. We do have a, another clip, we'll go ahead and, um and uh, introduce that clip because I think that that also touches on the impact of, you know, today's politics and uh, how de divisive we seem to be when we're having a discussion about politics. So let's, let's introduce uh, Ryan McDougall uh, to, to us right now through a, a clip. Ryan, wow. He reminds me of a lot of uh, political candidates, you know, but definitely some ones who are more recent. Uh, it kind of runs on, a, on a, a lighthearted, fun, joking campaign in some ways. Jokes about measuring his penis and, and his, his success. Um, <laughs> let's talk about, you know, Ryan. I see him as the, the kind of, you know, the modern populist voice that exists in our politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, you know, Robert's interesting because the minute that we met him, I think, you know, you mentioned you bring, you know, you, you were thinking about yourself as a 17 year old. Um, I think anytime you make a high school movie, most likely you do bring a little bit of your high school self to the making of that movie. And I think the minute that I saw, uh, Robert, when we first met him, I was like, 
I know you, <laughs> you know, there's something, there's a little bit of a recognition of a type, I think. And I, that was interesting to me because the minute he sat down and started talking to us, it, it, my, my, um, my understanding of him shifted, it just kept shifting and shifting and shifting. He's actually much more thoughtful inside than he, he, uh, sort of presents outside. And, um, that is certainly true in how his boy state experience, um, plays out. And you see in the movie, he, um, he's, 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 <laughs> he has a plan for how he's going to win this game. And he really, um, it's very different from his own personal politics. Let's put it that way. And that's really interesting because it does force him to kind of process on what actual politicians do to get elected and how much of it is really what they believe or what they think the um, people want to hear. And I, I, um, so to me, he also represents that kind of, yeah, who, what you'd expect to see in the most likely to be elected, you know, president someday, kind of like old sort of version we, of that. We thought he was a lock to be elected governor, and I won't spoil the outcome. And he ends up facing off against Stephen, who is in every way his opposite of temperament, of background, of politics. And that conflict for that nomination for the Nationalist Party is really the first half of the drama of the movie. And it's wonderful because it really does challenge Robert and, um, he he um he he makes um he, I don't I can't spoil it but I'm I not think spoil it. it's 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 <laughs> he surprise he can he as Amanda was saying he really surprises us through that whole trajectory um, and um, he's very alpha yeah and the the interesting thing is that when we met Stephen in an orientation for three hundred kids there was many sort of Roberts in the room or versions of Robert, less, much less interesting version, versions of Robert. And then, but for whatever reason, Jesse had kind of the spidey sense to like, you know, hone in on Stephen, who was very quiet and very humble initially. And, um, and, but he had a real just solidity to him and kind of an old soulness to him that we, that was, you know, really, really powerful we were when we yeah. finally started talking to him, you know, when we got close and started talking to him. So yeah. I think that kind of contrast also, despite all the other contrasts these two guys have, um, is really interesting. You're, you're talking about uh, uh, the first boy's kind of difference between his, his, his glad-handing populism and, and maybe his own personal thoughtfulness kind of just makes me think of Bill Clinton, who you know, was the, you know, the gregarious stopping at McDonald's after he goes running, loves to talk to people forever and ever and ever. And at the same time is a brilliant, you know, thinker. And, and whether you agree with him or not, I mean, he's very serious about this stuff. And, and for a long time, I'll be honest, I kind of thought, oh, one of those is fake, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't until very late in his presidency. In fact, I saw him giving a speech in the UK and I was watching it one day and I was like, I finally get it. They, they're both him. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. really combined those things. He he was Bubba, and he was also the Rhodes Scholar as as a That's national right. president. Yeah. Um, I think um, Robert makes some really astute points about national politics and the choices that our elected leaders sometimes the compromises they make with themselves. And he the one point he makes is that you can't get elected on a minority opinion. But that doesn't sort of allow, that's not a, an invitation to abandon your opinion. But he's got to wrestle with that himself personally. Um, and, and I think it's, it forces us to, I think the film is constantly forcing us to reflect back on that um, uh, adult state. Um, and, and, and I think it's kind of eerie, much more so than we envisioned, um, an eerie mirror of our contemporary politics. Now, if this were a baseball team, of course, there would be MLB scouts there. Were there adults from outside who kind of try to pick out some interesting people there and drag them into the college Republicans or college Democrats or something when they graduate? Um, not quite like that. Um, I mean, they certainly bring dignitaries to, to boys' state and girls' state who address the assembled masses. And um, I think if you're elected to governor or nominated to boys' state, a boys' nation or girls' nation, which are the national uh, select versions of those programs, um, you certainly get more attention. And I remember the year that we were filming, the governor from the previous year was brought back. And 
he didn't really have any kind of job to do except sort of glad hand. And he looked a bit lost, actually. So it's a very ceremonial position, um, governor, in many ways, because there's not an executive state that they actually manage. It's really the, the one of the main focuses of the program is electoral politics. And then there's this legislature, which we saw in that earlier clip with Stephen. And, and that's actually kind of a whole separate universe. And we only spent a little bit of time there. We were so focused on the contest for governor um, that there, our attentions went there. I do think people put it on their resume and it is something that um, is respected um, wherever they are sending their resumes or maybe in applying to college, right? Um, I would say that for the four kids that we followed, um, it is certainly sort of uh, confirmed for Stephen that this is something that is a calling for him. Um, and somebody like uh, Ben has decided, well, Robert's gone to West Point, you know, so the end, and for Renee, he's sort of doubled down on activism and community organizing. So I think for all of them, they've learned different lessons, but they're all deeply committed to serving, like serving their country in various ways. And I think that's kind of interesting. It's not necessarily going to make the next Bill Clinton or the next Dick Cheney or the next Rush Limbaugh or the next, you know, whoever, um, Ann Richards, right? It's, but it's gonna, for some of them, that will be true. Um, they will find their voice and they will, they will feel um, more excited by politics uh, as opposed to less excited about politics, which does happen for some people too. Yeah. You know, one of the things I thought um, was so incredible that you did with this film is did, you did provide a, a different lens for us to get to know the characters, right? Like, you, I could imagine that when you're in front of a ton of people, and in this case, other 16, 17, 18 year olds, high school students, you're one person. And then if you are someone like uh, uh, Robert, I'm sorry, I said Ryan earlier, it's Robert. Um, and you've got a persona, you think that you're running for elected office. Uh, but then there's also a private who they are as a person. And that is in, you know, when you try to define, you know, politics, what, what, if you were to define politics, what is it? I kind of feel like that's what the camera did for us is that we got to see the different personalities um, that it, that is involved in, you know, politics. You're not always president so-and-so. You're also, you know, Donald Trump at home. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, if you could kind of elaborate on the reason why you included that opportunity for uh, these young men, you know, to, to also showcase who they truly are. Because mm -hmm. I also saw that there was a point where, you know, they were trying to be adults or they are adults. And then there are points where they stayed teenagers or, you know, you got to see their vulnerable side. Well, that's right. There's this highly performative process that they're engaged in, whether it's retail politics and shaking hands or on a big stage in front of 600 people. That's how they're extending themselves and making those connections that will be the basis for their rise to power if they get elected. But that is highly performative. And th there is a whole kind of other self beneath the surface that you know, we were certainly curious about how are they processing these decisions? What are they feeling? And to get at that, we built um, during the week we were filming Boys that we built a set essentially where we could pull them away from the chaos and the madness around them and give them some quiet space to um, to reflect, to think, to process. And I think that was really valuable for them and for us. And some of these really surprising confessions and sort of um, Ben's very candid acknowledgments of the dirty art, dark arts of politics come in those conversations. We certainly see them and we love capturing those dramatic moments, big and small. But the interviews, which were very sparing in how much we shot, became very potent as we constructed the story in the edit room and sort of letting us in on their thinking and, you know, revealing the private selves of the public characters and sort of measuring the distance between them. For someone like Stephen, that's a pretty short distance. He's kind of what you see is what you get. For Robert, it's actually kind of a huge distance. And that was really quite surprising. We'll say, though, like the nature-nurture sort of discussion is really interesting, like in anything you think about. But in, in this particular instance, you know, 
again, Stephen, we knew casting him that he was very good person to person, one to one. So we knew he might have a chance in retail politics. He'd done some of sort of canvassing for other candidates in real life before he even came to Boy State. What we didn't know is whether he could give a speech to um, a room of a thousand people uh, who are predominantly, you know, conservative, predominantly white, whatever, and have an effect. And I think that what you see in our film is he does deliver, you know, one of the more powerful speeches I've ever seen in real or not real life. And I think that's his nature. That is truly just something he has in him that you cannot construct or fake or perform. It really is that ability to emotionally connect is very powerful, and um, which is why I'm very excited that he maybe has a path going forward as a, in, in it's such an important office. gift. And we're all watching the Democratic convention, or most of us are this week, and sort of measuring the ability of these people to connect with us, to communicate these ideas and these emotions and sort of draw, uh, draw us to them and to what they stand for. And that is a kind of necessary and intangible part yeah. of political leadership. And I think um, we see that on display um, in, in certainly with Stephen in so many ways at Boy State. Well, I, I certainly know that if if I if, if I were in high school or when I was in high school, I should say, I would have loved something like this. I was a, a political junkie. And I don't know if <laughs> Michelle wants to hear jump jump to the we've got a clip uh, about a political jump junkie. Uh, maybe that was a good time to show that. You know, some people say they're a sports junkie. I say I'm a politics junkie. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. We live in the greatest democracy in the world, and I feel like a big problem is there's a lot of people today that are willing to discount the idea that America truly is a great country. Hard work can still get you to where you want to go. You just might have to work harder. And it's like I think about me, right? Like, I'm an amputee, right? Like, it is not fair that I am missing my legs. I am put at a disadvantage that most other people do not have to deal with. But, like, clearly, I've been reasonably successful. And it's like I've had to work harder, and I've had to work to overcome that. And the more we keep focusing on these other factors, like race or gender or disability, you know, and the less we pen it to individual failings, I think that's a very, very bad thing for this nation. And, like, I think, like, we're individuals, right? Like, I don't think of myself as white. I think of myself as Ben Feinstein, American, right? <laughs> Future president. Yeah, we'll see. You mentioned Ben um, many times here in the conversation. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm in the Bay Area. I live in a bubble. And I tend to think that, like, the young generation, uh, younger generations are all liberal, or at least, you know, when it comes to, uh, systems of oppression that we understand it and, you know, you can be impacted by these systems in different ways. To, and, and yes, race matters, um, disability matters. And then you get someone like Ben, who's from a different state, and maybe this will answer the question of why you chose Texas Boy State, uh, that I, I, I'm surprised, like, why, why on earth, you know, I mean, really, you're a super Reagan fan? <laughs> I'm like, I'm so out of touch. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, that's, I think this is a good time to answer why you thought of, of Texas and yeah. you know, the current but political... I think you touch on something important too, which is I think we, we collectively and us as well sort of have this simple-minded assumption that the younger generation, Gen Z, is growing up you know, politically more enlightened, progressive, and sort of will save us, right? And will confront the challenges of gun violence and climate change and provide uh, this moral leadership that we so desperately need. And I think what we see is, um, and certainly encountered at Texas Boys State, is that it's a lot more complicated than that. And there are a lot of young people growing up who are very conservative. They revere Ronald Reagan and other people we won't mention. And that's just the reality that we're living in. And um, Texas, not surprisingly, um, you know, it's got a cons very conservative streak. It's also a very diverse state and increasingly diverse. And it, it was a perfect kind of fault line for us to, I think, take the temperature of the country because it's a purple state. It's not red. It's not blue. Um, issues like gun violence, which becomes a big issue at Boy State, is certainly a big issue in Texas. Um, it's It's got its own mythology, which... As filmmakers, we liked to. It's Texas, right? It's all of that stuff. And um, so I think it was a kind of perfect place to set this film. And um, and to really, you know, for us as documentary filmmakers, you talked about the bubble. 
we're in it. We live in San Francisco. We're politically progressive. Um, I think to spend time with a group of people who are conservative, like Renee himself says in the film, um, it's a, it's really an incredible learning opportunity. And I think um, for us, we we like to do that kind of work that takes us to a very different place. And you know, Ben, we do not share political views, but we really like him as a young man. He's actually continuing to show a lot of moral reflection on his choices, for better or for worse, that he made at Boy State. And I think that bringing all of these boys together, both in this film and now in a conversation around this film, has really been a way to capture that kind of civility that we're all missing. Um, so I, this is one of those things where I really wish all four of these guys were, I mean, we've been doing some Q and A's with all four of them. And when they kind of get together and they're all, you know, very friendly and like also evenly matched, particularly Renee and Ben, um, have continued this conversation in all of their differences that is so unbelievable. I am often like resisting continue, like when we were at Sundance with our film that we had a three hour lunch um, where they were, I can't remember what they were debating, but it was, it was uh, something I just had to pick up my phone. So I was like, These, this is so interesting. This conversation doesn't happen in my life unless I'm with these two people who are so different, but again, evenly matched intellectually. They know a lot about history more than I ever did, certainly at 17 and definitely now. It's just, it's to me, one of those, um, yeah, what, what Renee well, says in the film is what every liberal needs. Like but, I needed- Renee had shown up to this event expecting to, to turn around and go home immediately. He says <laughs> his mother was like, you know, basically not expecting him to last a day. But he not only lasted a week, but he rose to power. And um, and then he's, he, uh, you know, it's surprising to hear from Renee, maybe not, because we didn't know him that well. Um, now we know him. It's, you know, he's he's actually, inc you know, incredible. But, but that he was willing to engage in that process with these people whose politics, you know, he probably doesn't, he not only doesn't agree with, he despises. And yet he finds a kind of workable compromise. And that's, it's really amazing to see, I think. I, I love the scene uh, where there's a boy who wants to run for governor and someone's asking him what he believes in. And he's kind of like, you know, whatever. Uh, he'll, he'll adopt whatever views the party agrees on. The guy's like, well, the party hasn't really even been formed yet. Um, and he finally asks him what he what he's in, you know, something he's in favor of. Well, he's in favor of freedom. The guy's like, oh, you know, what? what a brave decision to make. Um, so there are student, you know, teenagers who are going to these things who aren't as as formed in their ideologies, or at least what they want to do with them at this thing. So they're, it sounds like they're learning a lot on their feet at these, at these, uh, uh, these week-long things. I, I think, I think so. And like more than to celebrate boy state or girl state, I think the film should, should, compel us all to think about how can we create spaces and conversations that, you know, allow for some kind of center in American life or common app com compromise, um, because we're not seeing it in, in uh, much on Capitol Hill. Uh, maybe we're seeing it in, in uh, you know, other places. I'm not sure where to look, frankly. Um, I don't want to be kind of naive about this, too. I think there's an argument that, like, we need a more radical politics in America, you know, and I think we're, we've seen some of that this year and on the streets and activism that is going to uh, hopefully force real structural change, you know, and just compromise the way to get to radical structural change. Well, you've got kind of Bernie out here and you've got Biden here, and I think that's a great debate, and the film's not going to answer that question for us, but... Um, I think it, what, what the experience showed us is that with the right people leading by, in, with integrity and compassion and empathy, that you can find a center. Absolutely. I think that that is uh, uh, the heart of the film and there is hope. It, you know, you feel the hope, even though, even for myself as an adult and heading into an election here uh, in America soon, you, you feel some sense of uh, despair and, and not, you know, it, it, I, yeah, I guess despair because of the state of where things are at. I mean, gosh, we're in a pandemic uh, of all things. If you're not going to get into the politics, uh, I want to play, you know, the last clip because I think that also speaks to the hope uh, overall that the film brings. Definitely my upbringing has led to where I am today. My mom worked at a gas station. She was undocumented for a time. 
She is what I think the American dream should be. An immigrant who started from the bottom, worked her way up, and is living a, a okay life in America. I am third oldest. I am the first one to get past freshman year of high school. Uh, I'm on the course to be the first one to graduate from high school. So it's almost like uh, I have to succeed. You know, a parent telling you that they're proud of you is one of the most amazing things you could ever hear in your entire life. We'll enter the discussion about Stephen because, gosh, you know, I was crying with him at the end. Um, and we won't we won't spoil you know for everybody. You can watch it now; it's available on uh, Apple TV. Uh, but he was very, very effective as someone who is considered, you know, marginalized. I guess you know, he his mom was undocumented. He's an immigrant. He's a Latino. Um, very progressive in you know his positions, but was very able to have you know strong communication. Was effective in pulling people into his campaign and supporting him, even if they were questioning whether he was you know pro gun rights or not. Or hey, we saw you march you know during the March for Lives and questioning you know where he was at. Um, so I think that that there is the hope in that. And I was wondering kind of we were watching do this film leading up to our own election is this the film that we need to see before you cast your vote come november 3rd here in america <laughs> um <laughs> ooh. i do think that um jesse and i talk about this a lot that you know we are political junkies but it is hard to take in all of the news all the time um from washington i mean it just gets overwhelming and exhausting and so this project for us has also been an interesting way to, you know, tackle all these questions in kind of a, oh, in a sort of, sort of sideways way, because it's about these guys and, you know, really getting elected to governor of Boy State is not going to have any real uh, results on the future of the universe. But um, for me, some, meeting these kids and I think seeing their level of engagement um, you know, one of the principles of the program is democracy is not a spectator sport. And I do think that they do encourage these guys to really uh, get involved and know that democracy is fragile. You know, it will wither on the vine if it's not watered. And so all of these kids feel that way. And whether they're, you know, get to the top of, of that event or not. And I think that was exciting to be around. But I also think being around someone like Stephen who his hope is not naive. I mean, he definitely sees, he, he, he has experienced in his own personal life, but also at Boy State, a lot of pushback and a lot of challenges and a lot of roadblocks and all kinds of things that could make him despairing. And so for him to be hopeful is particularly powerful. And he is just like that by nature. And again, to be around that and reminded of that by someone who's 17 is truly a gift. And so for that, I would say, watch this film. Um, you will see stuff that will is very, uh, maybe even triggering. It's, it's problematic. It's scary. It's different. It's outside. And, you know, so I'm not, I'm not going to say that our film doesn't also have, you know, sharp edges, but, but, um, for me, my takeaway, uh, has been a little bit of both, you know, there's stuff to be worried about, but don't forget that really the through line on all of this stuff of America moving forward has been this return to, we can, just because of what has, has been, doesn't mean it has to be that way going forward. I think as I've learned more and more, especially here in California, about how many areas don't, how many school systems are not teaching civics, are not teaching, you know, why we have a bicameral legislature, why we make decisions the way we do and such. And I, I see that kind of then, what kind of the result of that in a lot of times talking with people, sometimes on, on programs here, who they're all about making change and they don't know how to do it. You know, they honestly don't understand the necessity of voting people who you agree with in the lower levels of, of government, as well as just, you know, getting excited about, Obama or Trump or whoever, you know, does it for you. Um, so, and we have a question from someone watching about, and we already mentioned that there, there is a girl state as well. Um, but what's your, your kind of take on boy state and girl state as a program then that 
really, you know, shows people, okay, well, these are the decisions you're going to have as long, unless you have a dictator, you know, th this is how we do things. And, and all the fact that you have different voices and different views and such, and, uh, you know, all these different energies that are there, the fact that they're funneled through this system, you know, part that's, that seems to me very important to actually be teaching people. Yeah, this is how we do it because otherwise we're at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe what's your verdict on boy state, girl state? I mean, I think we're here to like endorse the program. I think the film is a great way to discover both the strengths of the program and some of its limitations. And let's be honest, it's a little bit old fashioned in some ways that make us uncomfortable. It's also trying to lean into the 21st century in good ways. And I think that's kind of where our country's at. And, and I don't expect them to get there overnight. Um, I think the film is a great way to kind of think about how young people come of age politically and how we prepare them to be active citizens. I think experiential learning, whether it's through boy state or girl state or through some classroom exercises that really empowers them, as Amanda talked about, to confront the moral choices for themselves, not to just inhabit characters, but be themselves in a process and learn how the process works and how to influence a state, how to influence a party and a platform and how to run for local office. Um, it's not a given that people can figure out how to do that, even though we see very young people do it successfully. Um, so I think what this film also does is lift up these voices of Renee and Stephen. And I think that's, um, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming to see the response that viewers have to them, not only them as people, but the model that they provide. And our distributors, Apple and A24, have prepared an education guide and we're, we're putting the film in classrooms. It's actually going to be on a syllabus at Harvard and a class on democracy that Jill Lepore is teaching. And I, to, me, to me, I think there's no better validation of sharing this movie with a room full of teenagers to say, let's have a conversation. That's all. It's, it's a way to have a conversation. And I hope that classroom and that room has people who come from here and come from there and come from there too, because that's the best conversation. That's the important part. I mean, we also want to make the girl state film and, um, you know, once these programs come back in real life, but um, I, I'm, so we don't actually know much about how, if, things work differently at Girl State, and I imagine they don't. Um, I imagine it's very much the same. I also imagine that there's going to be an integrated version of this program fairly soon. So like Stephen talks about in the film, a people's state. So maybe we should make that film third, you know. So there's there's work for us to do as well as filmmakers. Um, so there it is. <laughs> you mentioned the boys, you know, being on panels and, and discussions and, and interviews now even after the the voice state experience um were you with them when they watched the the, the completed film for the first time and if we, so obviously we're getting at is what was their reaction yeah we we were well with um steven and and renee we watched it with them um and then ben we shared a, a cut with he gave us a lot of detailed notes actually um that's important when we when we have our documentary subjects we want them to be um, they're collaborators, they're partners. There's a real strong relationship of trust. And I think the way you honor that relationship is, um, well, ultimately, you want to be able to stand on a stage together and share the work and for everybody to um, recognize that it's built on trust. And um, it doesn't mean it's not tough. And I think there's some embarrassing things in this movie. But, um, but that relationship is really sacred. Um, so, yeah, we did share it with them. And, um, and they're really proud of it. Um, too, which is great. And, and as is the guys in Texas who run the program. And surprisingly, the Legion, I think they, you know, it's probably not the movie that the Legion would have commissioned or wanted. Um, but I think that they recognize that it celebrates um, the vitality of this kind of conversation and the values of, of learning how democracy works. They can't argue with that. Absolutely. I agree. And thank you both for this incredible film and for making it and sharing it with us. I think it's it's timely. And also, uh, now that we're talking about, you know, the future of education and learning and politics, uh, we all can get something out of this film. So check it out. Uh, make sure if you have Apple TV, you watch Boy State. Uh, is there any other way that you can watch it currently? If you go to our website, uh, boystate.movie, we have a, a, a list of upcoming screenings that um, are virtual where we're going to have guests, in the boys. And so um, you can check there for uh, to register for a screening. We'd love to have 
viewers be a part of that conversation yeah. with the boys because they're we we want to get out of the way and let them speak. I know they're you. great. Like yeah, <laughs> we so, should stop talking. Thank <laughs> you both so much. It's a it's a privilege to be able to to talk about the film today. Appreciate it. John, you have the last word. I'll just say once again our thanks to Jesse Moss and Amanda McBain. And thank you to you, our audience, both live and joining us on the podcast and online video later on. You can find past and upcoming Michelle Meow shows at the Commonwealth Club by going to commonwealthclub.org slash MMS. Thank you, everybody. 